0: This audio download is the extended version of the Family Life Today radio program. Your download is made possible by Family Life Legacy Partners.
1: We're talking about the traps that have been laid for teenagers and our responsibility as parents to lead them through these traps. You all have written a book that outlines 14 traps that are laid for teenagers. The book is entitled Parenting Today's Adolescent. And uh, our assignment as moms and dads is to know where the traps are, and we ought to uh, know where they are because we've been down this road before, and then to uh, uh, guide them through the traps so that they don't become ensnared.
2: You know, it it is interesting. We do know where the traps are. We were all teenagers. Mm -hmm. We experienced it. We experienced the peer pressure. We experienced the uh, temptations of dating, and yet, isn't it fascinating that parents can just kind of stick their head in the sand and we can say, well, kids will be kids. Hmm. They can just kind of make it on their own. But when we do that, we set our children up to get their marching orders from peers, mm-hmm. from the world, from the culture, uh, or from the enemy. And and if I understand the Scriptures correctly, we as parents are to uh, – uh, form a partnership with God. Uh, Psalm one twenty seven one talks about the Lord building the house. And the person who ignores the Lord labors in vain. And what we've got to do as parents is we've got to seek the Lord, determine what we believe around these issues, and then begin to to take some courageous stands. And what we're talking about here is radical, radical stuff with teenagers. You're not going to be Uh, voted in as the most popular with your teenagers (laughs) as you raise them. But you know what? You're not running a popularity contest. You're, You're a parent. I'm a parent. And I don't want my children to hate me. I want my children to love me. But more than that, I want our children to grow up, to become God's man and God's woman. And that may mean for a period of time, whether it be a few hours, a few days, maybe a few months that child may not like dad very well.
1: <laughs> Barbara, last week we talked about the trap of peer pressure that our children have to navigate around. We talked about sexual intimacy and its inappropriateness outside of marriage. And then we began talking about the subject of dating. And you all have developed some, uh, some strong convictions in this area with your children that are a little bit out of sync with the culture. But uh, they're things you feel passionate about.
0: Yeah, we've decided for our kids that we want to protect them from getting involved in exclusive relationships that are going to stir up their emotions and potentially get them involved physically and sexually with the opposite sex. And we know that's not healthy. So in order to protect our kids, we've sort of redefined dating for our family. We've set some different standards for our kids in hopes that in the outcome uh, our kids will be will be protected, and they'll be pure, and they'll be holy.
2: The conviction we're talking about here is that as parents, we have the responsibility and the authority to set the rules and boundaries for our children. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. We have the responsibility and the authority to set the rules and boundaries for our children. The culture doesn't. The youth group doesn't. And, and I know I could get into trouble there. The, the youth group needs to reinforce, I believe, the standards of the family. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was intended to work. I think it needs to hold the standard up, call us to that. But I think it needs to be reinforcing what's being taught at home. I don't think the youth group ought to be a surrogate parent for the child. I don't think the schools ought to be setting the boundaries Are the rules for children. I don't think they've got the responsibility. I don't think they have the morality. I don't think they've got the standards. Mm -hmm. And even the Christian schools aren't going to do it the way parents are. And so who owns it? Who's got to have it? We do as parents. And we have got to decide, first of all, what we believe as a family. And you may disagree with what we're talking about here on the air. You know what? I want to give you the freedom to disagree with us. That's wonderful. My – Boomerang question to you, if you disagree with us, is what then do you believe? Mm-hmm. What are your standards? What will you uphold with your son or with your daughter? And what's the source of those standards? That's exactly right. Is right. it the Scripture or is it tainted by the world? Mm-hmm. And, and too often, I'll tell you, with us, it's been one long process of kind of eradicating how we have been conformed as a family to the world's standards. And, and there'd be some, Bob, let me just say this real quickly. There'd be some who listen to our broadcast who would say, even because we talk about dating, even because we even mention the subject, that we are conformed, mm-hmm. because it's not a biblical way of selecting a spouse. Well, as I look in the Bible, I don't really see a prescribed biblical way of finding a spouse. If you want to find the the biblical way, you go out and stand by the well. <laughs> and
1: so that's the way you would you would find a spouse. We've got, we've got some single <laughs> listeners who are, are go headed, to the well, go headed to the well. well. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, but you know what you're talking about, parents having the responsibility and the authority to be parents is so true. I remember just recently we were having a discussion with one of our children. And we said, you know what, honey, God has given us the assignment of deciding what you can and can't do. It's our responsibility to determine that. That's a novel thought, isn't it? <laughs> we said, we, we have to do what we think is right in this area. And you could tell that this particular child didn't really like the answer but couldn't argue with it very much. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then later, I had an opportunity to overhear my child talking to a peer. And this particular child said, well... My parents think God's given them the responsibility to decide. And, and the child just repeated back what we had said. But it was kind of like, this is what my parents think. I don't buy it. I'm not sure I buy it. Yet. <laughs> but at least you could tell that something had kind of sunk in. You know, this is another apologetic for the Bible.
2: We have several listeners who tune in regularly to Family Life Today who aren't Christians yet. And I'd just turn to you. If you haven't received Christ and you've not uh, called upon him to save you from your sins and developed a relationship with God, show me a better way than this book to connect with God and to connect a family heart to heart and soul to soul and to navigate these traps. Mm -hmm. The Bible is the guidebook for helping us handle these issues. This book is what has given us the boundaries and the rules we're talking about here. And what are you waiting for? I mean, now is the day to cry out to Christ and have Him become your Savior and Lord and get on with the process of making Him the builder of your home. Mm -hmm. Frankly, Bob, I wonder how anybody can raise a family in this culture and help teenagers Mm -hmm. through all these traps without having a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And, l- yeah.
1: and let me just say at this point, if if that concept, if that thought is something you've been struggling with or wrestling with, if, if you're wondering about what it means to have a relationship with Christ, we want you to call us. We've got material we'll send you at no cost to you. Absolutely. We just want to get it to you and and trust that that will be a help to you as you weigh out what the Bible says about how we're to be rightly related with God and with one another. Barbara, we talked last week about the fact that um, you're really encouraging your children not to date someone exclusively during the time they're in high school. At the same time, though, you're training them for a time when they will Uh, begin to notice a particular person Mm -hmm. and begin to wonder, might this be the person that God would have for me to marry? What are you doing in helping to prepare them for that moment?
0: Well, what we're trying to do through these years of junior high, but particularly high school, is to help our kids see what it is they're looking for in a person to marry. What are the standards they want uh, what are the criteria that they would like to be there what what are the values that they would like for this person to hold so we begin talking about those kinds of things and helping them begin to think through what am I looking for what's best for me what does God want me to have someday in a mate and we've tried to teach our kids that the best way to find out those kinds of things is through having a friendship With another person. It's not through a dating relationship where everybody's on their best behavior. You only see each other in ideal situations and circumstances. But rather, we're trying to train our kids to observe one another in ordinary situations so that our girls see these these Christian guys. They see them at youth group. They see them at church. They see them on retreats. They see them in school. They see them with their parents. And as we do things as groups with our kids, our family, and a bunch of other families— they can watch how each other acts, how they respond, what they do, what their choices are. And that's a better indication of what that person is really like than what you see on a high-performance date.
1: And Dennis, what are you encouraging them to look for as they watch these young men and young women?
2: Well, I, I think uh, the Scriptures are very, very clear where some of the, the fundamentals are. First of all, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 – Verses 14 to the end of the chapter, Paul writes that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He asks, "What do righteousness and unrighteousness have in common? Mm-hmm. What does light and darkness have in common?" And the answer is nothing. And so, a true follower of Jesus, one who's committed to the Bible and committed to following Christ, truly doesn't have much in common with someone who isn't a follower of Christ, who's not a believer in Christ. And we we want our children to even be able to distinguish between that young man or that young lady who profess Christ and that young man or young lady who are followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. Our churches today, unfortunately, are filled with many who profess to be followers of Christ, but in reality— they're just professing Christ, and you wonder if they even know him at all because their lives are not marked by the fruit that Jesus spoke of uh, of those who would be his true followers. And, and we want our children to have friendships with the opposite sex who, who are committed Christians, who are growing Christians, and who are concerned about their own spiritual
1: walk with Christ. And you saw this, Barbara, lived out. With Ashley, as she went away to college mm-hmm. and started to look around and started to wonder about some of the young men,
0: right? And there was a there was a sense in which when we took Ashley to college, and even our boys, uh, for that matter, that they automatically had some freedom that they didn't have when they were living at home, uh, because we weren't there to oversee who they spent time with and oversee who they uh, would would even date, go out with and spend time with alone. But um, we continued to coach them from a distance and encourage them. And then as we watched Ashley go through college, um, she began to just, by the time she was halfway through, sometime between sophomore and junior year, she just thought, you know, I don't want to mess with this dating stuff anymore. I mean, she had learned on her own that it just wasn't worth it. And she decided she was just going to be content being single as long as God wanted her to be single. And she came to that conviction on her own. And so for the next year and a half or so, she just hung out with groups of kids and did things with her Christian friends. And in the process of that, got to know a young man very well as a friend. And neither one of them ever thought of anything of the other beyond just a friendship. They both viewed each other as a very good friend. And it was because they had made the decision not to pursue a romantic relationship and so therefore that was out of the out of the question and it never entered in so they began this friendship and continued to be friends for 2 years and then uh they decided at a point that maybe God wanted them to have more than a friendship and then the process went on where they eventually decided to get engaged and married but that marriage came out of a friendship and it was encouraging to see God used that in her life where she saw him in all kinds of situations, good, bad, and ugly, and otherwise. And so she really knew what she was getting. She didn't see him only on his best behavior Mm -hmm. and only performing uh, perfectly on dating kinds of situations. And so she knew what she was walking into. Mm -hmm. And
1: she didn't see him through these romantically tainted eyes that tends to minimize the negative and accentuate the positive. And sometimes leads folks into lifelong relationships that are fraught with all kinds of challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: and it's interesting how our sons have handled some of these same issues and are still in process of kind of determining it. Like with Benjamin, one of the most frequently quoted statements that I give him all the time is by Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great English statesmen and preachers from, uh, from the early part of the 20th century. I quote Benjamin, I say, Son, faith is the refusal to panic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think our our sons and daughters never outgrow the need, until they do reach adulthood and they are on their own fully and have their own spouse, of having a mom or a dad coach them and cheer them on in this process. It is not an easy time to be single Mm -hmm. and to be um, handling these traps, because... uh, the world is sending mixed signals at this point and the snares are being laid for these young people.
1: Last week we talked about some of the uh, restrictions that you've put on children about group activities and double dating, what age, what level of maturity they need to be in. What about things like phone calls from guys or phone calls to guys or young men pursuing young women via the telephone?
0: Or how about email?
1: Oh yeah, email. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: well, we have really had to regulate telephone and now we are regulating email because we've discovered that even though our uh, kids may not have an established official relationship an exclusive relationship with the opposite sex they can nonetheless develop an mm-hmm. emotionally dependent relationship over the phone yes by spending if, if they have unlimited phone privileges they could spend an hour on the phone every night with with somebody and be sharing their heart be sharing their dreams or their fears or their frustrations or difficulties that they're going through and elicit sympathy and compassion from the other person and they go gosh this person really understands me and so I can maybe tell them some more. And so this, these doors just open wider and wider to the soul of the other person. And so they just begin this give and take over the phone, and they become attached emotionally over the phone.
2: And this happens a lot. I mean, uh, children are so needy, it seems, today as teenagers. They latch onto each other mm-hmm. and meet each other at this point of need. Uh, one young man was doing this with one of our daughters, and so I told my daughter, I- I'm going to need to talk to him on the phone. And she said, why? And I said, because he's calling frequently, and, and this is a relationship even though he didn't even live in our community, and and it's long distance. I need to talk to him. So I got on the phone, and he, he nearly fainted. Mm. I mean, he um, he really was scared, and, and I we talked about that a little bit and laughed about that. And, and then I said, you know, I just want you to develop a friendship with my daughter, and I really don't want you to send gifts. I don't want you to send romantic uh, notes over here and— and a few additional things. And I just kind of built some boundaries around it and and asked him to honor that as uh, her dad. And it uh, wasn't long after that, Bob, that I noticed on the uh, email that we have at home that there was this note to this child. And it it had our, our daughter's name. And then it had subtitled, Sexy Thing. Hmm. It was a note to Sexy Thing, mm-hmm. T-H-A-N-G. Mm-hmm. And I, I go, I don't like that. And so I didn't do anything immediately, and I didn't read it immediately. Mm-hmm. But Barbara and I talked about it, and we thought, you know, I don't like the sound of that. A young man writing my daughter, calling her that, and so I read the note. And this young man that I'd talked to over the phone wasn't honoring what I asked him to do. And there was nothing obscene in there as mm-hmm. such. As and it was such.
0: really supposed to be just sort of a joke, kind of a – Yeah. And, you know, kids – I think things are jokes that parents don't, and that, mm-hmm. I think, was the context. Yeah. And but. so I, I got on the email. And, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I sat down the email, and I sent a very blunt, pointed, loving email with a return button. <laughs> and it was interesting. A couple days later, the young man wrote me back, and he said, thank you, Mr. Rainey. Now, let me just say a couple of things to parents at this point. When you step in like this, don't assume that just because the young man or the young lady agree with you that they're on your side. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Don't don't just roll off the watermelon truck like a watermelon, all right? Go, These... Oh, I've done
0: that one. It's taken care of. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I,
2: Dad's done a good one of that. We've <laughs> headed that one off at the past. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Dad has got to realize you've got a young man who likes your your daughter, and you got to track, and you got to stay involved, Mm -hmm. and you got to watch what's happening. And you know what? At Valentine's Day, there was a stuffed animal in the mail. Mm. Hello. So, you know, as parents, you just got to keep on repeating yourself and teaching and hanging in there and staying involved in in your children's lives and resist the temptation to back out of there and to not stay involved, and to give them too much freedom before
1: they need it. Well, what rules have you come up with for telephone or for email use? What are your standards in that area?
0: Well, our our girls are not allowed to call boys, first of all. We, we really have tried to teach them that guys are the ones who need to take the initiative in a relationship, so first rule for our girls is they don't call boys right. anyway for any reason. And then the next rule is is that they that they just get so many minutes a night on the phone. And our our rules are after dinner and after homework is done. So generally, unless they are, they're trying to get their homework done and they've got to get the answer or they didn't get the assignment, all that kind of stuff. There are always exceptions on homework kinds of issues, but primarily, if they're going to call somebody, just to visit and chat and just. Kill some time on the phone. That doesn't occur until after dinner and after all homework is done. And that's usually at our family at least 7 o'clock at night before that happens. And then they have to be off the phone by 9. So there's kind of a two hour window. And with multiple people in the home wanting to use the phone, they can have a very long chunk of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just really don't let our girls chat on the phone endlessly for hours on end. It just isn't productive.
2: And the internet would be approached? In a similar fashion, mm-hmm. you wouldn't let your child spend endless hours on the internet in chat rooms with the opposite sex, mm-hmm. uh, nor would you send back and forth a number of emails each day or each week. I think it needs to be limited. And basically, what you're doing is you're you're creating some boundaries to protect your child's heart from forming exclusive romantic dating relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the conviction. That's the the thing you're protecting with your son or with your daughter.
1: You talk about parents being right in the middle of things, and our listeners have heard you talk about being right in the middle of things (laughs) as you have interviewed any young man who has uh, come as a suitor for your daughter before you've let them even go out on a double or a triple date or go to the prom together. Yeah,
2: I've got about eight questions that I ask in an interview of a young man And these eight questions are now being replicated in uh, hundreds of dads' lives across the country. In fact, Bob, I just talked to a dad in San Marcos, Texas. In fact, it's the brother of Mike McCoy who was on the broadcast one time. Right, Brian McCoy just interviewed uh, his daughter, Megan's, first date. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because uh, Brian said, I sat behind my desk and – I wanted the most intimidating (laughs) uh, situation I could get. I made him sit at the other side, and then he said I kind of caved in a little bit and asked him, are you nervous? And the young man said, yeah. And he said, well, I am too. We're going to get through this together. Hmm. And they went through the interview, and I asked Brian at the end of the time, I said, tell me this. When you were driving home to see your daughter, did you feel like you had been a man's man in protecting your daughter? And he said, absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And you know what? His daughter thoroughly enjoyed the fact that her dad would look out for her by interviewing a young man who had come calling at the door.
0: Thanks for listening to Family Life today. For more downloadable audio programs or other resources, visit our website at familylife.com.